Section four of Wildlife on a Norfolk Estuary by Arthur Henry Patterson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter two Winter Days on Braden Part three Some Winter Notes I have already suggested that hard winters were and are exceptional and my observations have led me to believe that notwithstanding that the drainage of the marshes and other altered conditions have affected detrimentally many species a set-in of sharp wintry weather especially if it occurs in december drives many common species hither in unusual abundance and some usually rare ones in unexpected numbers among these may be cited mergansers goosanders smews and various geese and swans besides hard fowl for example tufted ducks potchards golden eyes scalps and occasionally long-tailed ducks many of these would remain in the locks and firths of northern britain in milder seasons and even farther north but driven out by sharp and protracted frosts and snowstorms they are compelled to venture south in visiting braden at any season of the year one must always be prepared for surprises and disappointments storms and other climatic influences regulate greatly the movements of many species one day braden may present a miserably bare outlook without a dunlin or a gull on its surface and the next when the visitor refrains from going because of expecting but a barren field the flats may be alive with migrant waders or some flock of strange fowl may have dropped in and are feeding and resting there the great snowstorm which occurred at the close of 1906 and the early days of 1907 and its effect on bird life will long remain fresh in my memory i am amused sometimes by the prognostications of those who prophesy hard winters because of an abundance of hawthorn berries or of gulls flying inland and the like it seems to me but natural that hawthorns like apple trees should after a year's rest and unfruitfulness bear well the following season and that the birds should make short journeys for a change of food or to avoid a breeze that might prove inconvenient to them at the best i can foresee but a few days probabilities ahead one gets to a certain extent weather-wise like the old bradeners who spend much of their lives in the open and are led by experience to prepare for eventualities we may even suggest an intuitive instinct in some minds which cannot be explained by reference to my notebooks i find that hard winters usually 
only come at long intervals and i have many times observed that unless we get heavy snows before the second or third week in december we do not often get much after christmas to worry over and wildfowlers may expect a poor shooting season here for the remainder of the time i made a few observations during the stress of the severe weather and will give them as i have dated them december the thirty first nineteen o six after a long spell of open winters something akin to the old-fashioned ones obtained during the last week of the year on the twenty-second it rained heavily well into the night and next day snow began to fall birds began to show signs of restlessness and the black-headed gulls had been for two or three days feeding in the river flying around the bridge in the heart of the town a fairly good sign of a change of some sort coming as an extraordinary tide will often come six hours ahead of a storm it may be these birds instinctively judge by the temperature of the water or by some faculty unknown to us the morning of the twenty-third dawned with a fiery glow in the west which flooded the room as my wife opened the blinds we're in for something out of the common i remarked and shortly the red glow cooled into grey and from out the deepening gloom snow began to fall fast and furiously and in right dead earnest my first thoughts went out towards the poor birds the birds that would die for want of food and by the hail of shot on the twenty-second and twenty-third flocks of various wildfowl were observed trooping along the foreshore southwards one bunch presumably of duck and mallard numbering quite five hundred and a newspaper pa those mischievous little bulletins from oldborough reported that huge flocks of ducks wild geese widgeon and other fowl are continually passing south to seaboard indicating a continuance of the present severe weather such sights and reports naturally set every owner or friend's owner of a shoulder or punt gun to work furbishing up his weapon and laying in stores of ammunition local ironmongers were loading cartridges by day and by night and wild ducks began to fall to the guns of several frequenters of Braden. every amateur puntsman got afloat and had i been an excise officer i could have made a name by sorting over the regiment of those who with every kind of gun imaginable but mostly without gun licences skulked around braden walls and marshes on the twenty-seventh i went for a stroll to galston pierhead having heard a report that some wild ducks of a sort unknown were to be seen inside the harbour but i saw none 
a few score small gulls were to be seen floating on the ebb tide near the north sand just off the pier all the larger gulls having gone somewhere and a few indeed were seen here while the severity of the weather lasted but i noticed a few thrushes stray redwings and their kindred finches and a pipit or two cross over the pier almost within arm's length in that steady purposeful manner peculiar to them during the normal period of immigration on the twenty eighth i went for a walk round crossing the north deans sometimes wading through deep snowdrifts now tumbling into them and again progressing much after the fashion of a short-legged spaniel getting through deep grass for the undulations and sudden breaks of the sand dunes were hardly traceable and i finally reached the shore fortunately i felt in fairly good form a few outflying to die day and finches passed over me as i floundered through the snow but when i reached the beach i found thrushes fieldfares redwings in particular larks linnets pipits twites and indeed incisores of all kinds even including goldfinches flying due south following the coastline silently like the brown ghosts of birds they flew hour after hour thousands upon thousands i wondered whence they were trooping and whether but for stress they would have still set at defiance the promptings that impelled many of their relations two months ago on their migration southwards surely these were they who had landed in scotland and would have stayed there bunches of five ten twenty and fifty straggled and struggled along odd birds fagged right out alighting now and then to rest a while they passed almost within arm's length many of them i could have caught them with a landing net and their line of flight lay between the sea-licked edge of the snowy plain and low water mark over a ribbon of clear sand some fifteen yards in width the silent hosts opened on either side of me as might a regiment of infantry as i walked north they did the same as i came back homewards slightly closing their formation again as they proceeded ahead of me unfortunately the morning was gloomy and my trusty zeiss glasses a little too powerful for their nearness so that had the smaller host contained rarities they would have passed on unidentified i longed to have my smaller operas but no gun for i abominate that spirit which leads to the slaughter of hosts of small migrants for the sake of reputedly adding a new species to a county's fauna i would rather spend half my life among the mudflats and not know that some rare and new species of wader was watching me daily then know and name it 
if it meant my taking away the life it is as much entitled to as i am to mine here the ichthyologist however sentimental scores for all rare and most common fishes are caught more or less by accident he may sit all day for years angling from a rock seeking in vain a ballista's capriscus and to-morrow it may be cast up on the shore by a scornful sea soir quic voluptas the poor black-headed gulls fared badly enough they left Braden en masse and betook themselves to the lower reaches of the rivers i surprised thirty or more of them by running unexpectedly to them up a river bank putting them to flight for a short time from ink-black sewerage water running from a sewer outlet these birds too swarmed the outlying gardens and alighted on the public roads people fed them from the bridges the kindly disposed spread for them table scraps on their very doorsteps in various parts of the town but more than one brute made target practice with them one hapless bird would or could not make way for a cyclist and was accidentally killed by his machine two or three times i visited braden walls during the continuance of the frost and snow but being well aware of my need of self-restraint i wisely i think kept off braden itself coots in miserable flocks slouched about on the mud-flats demoralized by incessant slaughter among their ranks parcels of wildfowl flew affrightedly to and fro for every man's gun was turned against them strike shaman a veteran bradener remembering bygone winters was tempted again to visit the mud-flats and came home with the foredeck of his punt covered with mallards and potchards i visited his boat-shed on the thirtieth and saw a row of potchards and scalps lying on a bench that poor crested grebe said he i picked up exhausted out of a hole in the ice the tide had fallen it couldn't dive away and it couldn't get on the wing the poor old eel-pickers and other waterside spaniels frozen out from drains and channels hung dejectedly around the quaysides or crowded into their shelter bewailing the bad times and indulging in reminiscences of similar days in the long ago on the twenty-ninth i had a look round the saturday's market on edmund's late durrant's game stall i saw a number of mallard and potchards the latter still in the plumpest condition a few common snipe hung there too they were fat enough although not tempting eager purchasers but scores and hundreds of snipe later on were turned away as thin and unsaleable 
on the country folk stalls were numerous tufted ducks potchards and others they had been having a fine time on some of the broads hickling in particular before the fowl were frozen out only one jack snipe was noticed in the whole market but numerous bunches of field fares thrushes blackbirds and other small birds were on sale and these found ready customers which wildfowl did not so you've been killing your friends the slug eaters i remarked to a couple of different storekeepers touching the dead blackbirds with my finger you'd think em friends bore said one if ye was just to see em among our fruit you'd think so bore said the other if you saw em in summer but neither could tell me where they got their fruit from in winter but so vindictiveness has slain them and petulance was exhibited even in referring to them and as blackbirds are esteemed uncommonly good eating in yarmouth no mercy is ever shown them on the thirtieth i called on halls an intelligent young engineer and a good observer of bird life whose works overshadow braden and who in summer is ever ready in motor launch or punt to show visitors over this magnificent estuary and who also follows braden with a big gun when there's anything about he was just sitting down to dinner after a week's wild life on braden and sleeping at night in his snug roomy houseboat returning to town only at intervals with his game for which he found somehow a ready sale i closed down the engineering shed for the christmas week said he and have had a week up braden and haven't done so bad let me summarize his experiences he met with the first lot of fowl on the twenty-third getting several mallard and seventeen coots on the twenty-fourth he killed twenty-five coots at one shot with the big gun and obtained altogether two or three linen baskets of these birds there must have been quite three thousand coots on braden frozen out from the broads they kept much in line like soldiers in a regiment as i have seen them here before in hard winters and fed ravenously on the sweet fattening stems of zostera marina they made quite an audible scrunching noise in tearing them up a wretched adult crested grebe sat miserably bunched up on the ice literally starving he knocked it over with an oar as he rowed along about sixty swans visited braden Sharman killed three halls shot one which he believed to be a polish swan and gave me a fairly representative description of it it was quickly sold for eating the majority of the swans appeared to be hoopers geese had been scarce five brents were seen 
and a greylag goose had been killed. Hall's game list for the week was as follows. One swan, 34 mallards and ducks, six potchards, five widgeons, one teal, one golden plover, one crested grebe, 60 coots. A few golden plovers hung about during the week, but were unusually shy. Hard fowl, that is, golden eyes, tufted ducks and scalps, were seen in small bunches, but they too were shy and wary. So many potchards have not been seen or killed for many years. The few larger gulls remaining here have been seen chasing unwounded dunlins whenever they happen to fly near them, but these quick-turning little birds are too swift for them. Escaped cripples fared worse, however. The hooded crows forsook the Braden flats and marshes, and kept to the open reaches and the seashore. I saw a dead gull clean-picked by them, as much of it as was not frozen into the ice on a ditch. One hungry fellow was observed making strange efforts to get some food down his gullet, but his heart failed him. Prompted by curiosity, the rejected morsel was examined, and found to be a tablet of highly scented toilet soap, much holed by his hard bill in trying to find, if possible, a sweeter kernel. Kingfishers have been observed sitting miserably about on posts and rails, looking abject in their hunger. And even those, who usually have no pity, were sorry for them. One came and tapped on the window of Hall's houseboat. Whilst out shooting, on one occasion, he left the door of the houseboat open, and a wagtail that had been hanging around for scraps went in and cleared the fragments off his dinner plate. One day, when killing a wounded mallard by cutting its throat so as not to damage its neck, as ringing will sometimes do, the blood dripped and congealed on the snow on the forepeak of the punt. While he was in the houseboat, a hungry starling flew down on the boat and ravenously ate the crimson snow, and when driven away, it returned and ate more of it. Hall said the 23rd was a wildfowl day beyond all memory. Some small return bunches visited Braden on the 28th and 29th. The ice formed so rapidly on the night of the 29th that he had to return from the drain to his houseboat, having no ice hook to cut a way through. But on the 30th, he managed to hack his way out to open water. Mr. J. H. Gurney wrote me on December the 26th and remarked on Flocks of Skylarks Going Seawards. He saw twenty rooks that day eating a dead sheep. They devour putrid dogs on Braden and seem to think nothing of it. Indeed, they rather like it. The rooks around Yarmouth kept much to the various outlying gardens, 
and when not progging for a morsel sat disconsolately on the topmost twigs of small trees surveying the miserable outlook and thinking of happier days they hunted singly every bird for himself chaffinches fared badly and looked the most abject of all the finches on the twenty seventh as i stood near a rail on braden walls one came to within ten inches of my foot to search a tiny patch of bare soil the meadow pipits seemed fairly happy and hunted most of the time on the weedy edges of braden and along by the river margins scamps of boys were to be seen catching here and there a miserable bird with a piece of herring lint worked by a string and two sticks many wildfowl were observed on the rivers where open and at st olives some big bags were made one gunner shot a female goosander and three equally harmless dab chicks were killed for no useful purpose in the neighbouring villages all the berries had been stripped from the hedgerows two snipe wandered into a cattle shed on the marshes where they probed and prodded among the stable refuse in the hope of finding some stray grub or worm their footprints in the snow led to their discovery but on a person carelessly slipping in they promptly and safely dashed out wild ducks were plentiful enough on fritton lake and big bags were made at the decoys as many as seven hundred birds i am given to understand were netted there in one day truly a neck and arm aching record to certain brackish ditches round the west end of caister on the edge of the marshlands ducks persistently resorted and afforded one individual who has since the conclusion of the herring voyage just before christmas done nothing but shoot in that particular neighbourhood unusually good sport on one occasion he secured a mallard in a most unexpected manner hearing an unusual clamour among some tame ducks kept hard by he went out to see the reason of it to his astonishment he at length discovered a mallard sitting on the ridge tiles of an adjoining house it was but the matter of a few moments to slip back for his gun and on his prompt return he shot at and killed that venturesome fowl when skinning a couple of coots after they had been feeding for about a fortnight on the zostera i found them exceedingly plump and fat their stomachs and intestines were packed with grass blades in various stages of digestion the fresher grass still depended from their mandibles i found a couple of small periwinkles in one of them january the fifth nineteen o seven yesterday a fine female goosander was brought me for identification it was shot at buckenham up the norwich river 
where during the past two or three days fowl had been abundant. The few goose-anders and smews, or sawbills, that visit us in any numbers, only in severe weather, appear to have kept off Braden, although some smews visited the upper parts of it and frequented the rivers. As usual, most, if not all, of these sawbills were female birds. I went this afternoon to Belton and St. Olives and had a chat with one or two of my friends who like to watch birds, preferably down a gun barrel. In the wash house of one hung some coots and ducks and a bunch of snipe, four common and two jacks. His lad, a young urchin who had just left school to work in a cowshed, passed his noon hours, during the bad weather, near a ditch frequented by snipe. He obtained three or four small spring traps and placed them in the water where he saw footprints. These snipe were the proceeds of a few hours' work. The boy's father, a Mr. Brooks, assured me that thousands of snipe came to the marshes just before the snowstorm, and they had also haunted the rons and saltings. They were so put out by its continuance that seven were seen with dunlins on the mudflats. Brooks assured me he might have shot a pair of smews on the river at Borough, but being eager to secure a mallard swimming close by, in the end he missed them all. Several dabchicks frequented the river there. Geese in flocks of seventeen, twelve, thirteen, and ten respectively, mostly a darkish grey sort, probably bean geese, the most common species here this winter, passed over, and a large hawk, which I have reason to believe was a buzzard, flew out of a stackyard with straws depending from its feet, and I have no doubt a rat was mixed in amongst them. A large cloud of wood pigeons, containing some hundreds, passed over from the direction of Yarmouth, where another acquaintance of mine saw them a little earlier on the same date, in all probability the same flock. Today I saw three birds feeding near Braden, which I at first believed to be meadow pipits. On putting them to flight, which they appeared reluctant to take, I noticed an uncommon amount of white on the two outside feathers on either side of the tail. It struck me at the time as being rather unusual, but not being prepared to suspect anything rarer, I paid no more heed to them, and let them alone. On taking up the current number of the zoologist, I happened to read an article on the water pipit, and on further reference to Howard Saunders' manual, I was astonished to find how curiously my birds corresponded with the description there given of the species. I went back to the spot, but, as I was prepared to be, was disappointed at not again meeting with these birds. 
on cautiously introducing the matter and my suspicions to an old and observant gunner he strangely enough spoke of seeing three birds a few hours previously at the harbour mouth near the piles of the breakwater which he noticed carried more unusual white on their tails there the matter for the present must rest for were i to describe the species to any of those who prowl around with guns searching for specimens not a meadow pipit would escape the general massacre rarities provoke a new species had better remain unidentified p w d i writing to the daily express of january the fifth nineteen o seven and commenting on the appearance of the wild swans at yarmouth remarked i am informed that there were fifty of the birds but whether they were hoopers or the smaller buicks word has not reached me both species have been seen in the neighbourhood in fairly large flocks during hard winters when they have been driven south by severe weather in their far northern haunts doubtless mr patterson knows all about these latest visitors as a matter of fact i was extremely unfortunate in not seeing any of these swans dead or alive and felt called upon to reply to the article in question as my letter was given almost in its entirety i have taken the liberty of reprinting it as given by the editor mr arthur patterson sends to the express an interesting account of an attempt to identify a polish swan after the bird had been placed in the boiling pot mr patterson first of all refers to the flock of wild swans which were mentioned in the express as having visited braden water near yarmouth on very reliable authority mr patterson says i understand that about sixty swans were seen on that delightful old backwater unfortunately i just missed seeing them and i was equally unfortunate in not seeing the four that were shot three by one of my acquaintances and one by another punt gunner i have seen as many as fifty at one time and can assure you they were a sight worth seeing the odd bird shot from a description given me i took to be a polish swan and it was sold to a carnivorous publican for forty-two pence i saw him just too late for on visiting his bar he assured me that the missus had plucked it let me see butterfoot i begged on which he called the missus who presently came forward let mr patterson see the head and the feet of that swan he said she apologised and said that both were in the saucepan which she ran indoors and fetched hauling out her foot on a huge fork but i found boiled swan's foot was an awkward thing to swear the bird's identity by and would have defied professor owen himself january the twelfth 
1907. The weather and bird life generally have returned to the normal. Today's market was comparatively birdless. On only one stall was there evidence of anything unusual having occurred for a day or two. A haberdasher named Young, the hero of the whistling ducks, had suspended, amid stockings and underclothing, a large display of coots tied in couples, which he was selling, and freely too, at sixpence a brace. I found them exceedingly plump and in good condition. These birds appear loth to leave the zostera and to go back to the broads. This is the way with them when they have once tasted this succulent vegetable. The day before, Young had shot a shag, a most unexpected visitor to Braden at any time. The gulls have now betaken themselves to their usual haunts, although odd birds seem unduly familiar and still persist in visiting parts of the town where under ordinary circumstances they would not think of going. As usual, the greatest sufferers during this heavy snow were the red wings, a fact remarked on by observers who, like myself, came to the conclusion that extreme cold, as much as shortness of food, seriously affects this species. And it was noticeable, too, how in a remarkably short time they drooped and died, while in more protracted frosts, without so much snow in other years, they did not so soon succumb. Numbers were found dead in the surrounding villages, as were some chaffinches. But larks, as they usually do, took to the cottage gardens and fed freely on the cabbages, to the great undoing of the gardens, and in many instances, to their own. February the 7th, 1907. Owing to the broads being still frozen, and the great liking the coots have acquired for these austera, a crowd of them still remain on Braden, and are shot at when breaks in the ice or other favourable circumstances admit of approaching them. Poor things! There are a number of them trailing one broken leg and hopping on the other, as the result of being wounded by stray pellets. End of section 4